بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد فان احسن الكلام كلام الله وخير الهدى هدى محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وان شر الامور محدثاتها وكل محدثه بدعه وكل بدعه ضلاله وكل ضلاله في النار so we continue today with our series of lessons on al-hayatu tayyibah which is the good life what is the good life and how do you live a good life an enjoyable life according to the quran and the sunnah in the previous lesson we finished towards the end of the lesson with a statement from ibn al-qayyim rahimahullah the general meaning of which was he explained that there is a paradise which is going to be the destination on the day of judgment and there's also a paradise which is on this earth and that paradise that jannah that paradise on this earth is the paradise of knowledge of knowledge of allah azawajal of um you know hoping to meet allah azawajal and you know having a friendship with allah azawajal you know through through iman and righteous actions and so on and so forth and being pleased with allah as your lord all of this is a paradise that the soul enters into in this life and whoever makes his paradise on this earth these affairs so if you make these affairs which is iman in allah knowledge of allah ma'rifatullah and so on and so forth you make them the paradise for your soul in this life then the eternal paradise will be your abode in the hereafter and whichever person is prohibited from or prevented from taking this as a paradise on this earth then he will also be prevented from the eternal paradise in the hereafter so this is the general meaning of of the statement of ibn al-qayyim rahimahullah that we finished with in the previous lesson and so the general uh general uh point here is that on the life of this earth what it means to have a good life what it means to be living in bliss and enjoyment it comprises of many things it comprises of many different things and in the previous lesson we did mention some of those things like the general meaning that comes into al hayatu tayyibah from them is halal rizq halal rizq is from the good life and from them is al qana'ah al qana'ah which is to be satisfied to be content with what you have and likewise to be given success in the obedience to allah azawajal that you are granted success to be able to obey allah and to live a life 
of obedience to Allah This is part and parcel of the good life. And similarly, this point here in the same general with the same general idea, like Ibn Al Qayyim said, that to live a paradise on this earth is this paradise primarily, the paradise of knowledge of iman, and what that brings to you know what that brings to you of the various fruits such as being content, you know, uh, being uh, resilient, and all the other things that we that we that we discussed. At the end of the previous lesson, so we're going to continue today, inshallah ta'ala, uh, from where we left off, and just to summarize what we concluded with, basically any man or woman, Allah has promised any man or woman who does righteous deeds, whilst he or she is a believer with iman, that such a one will have a good life in this world and he will be rewarded with the best of rewards according to the best of the deeds that he or she did in the hereafter and this life that Allah gives to you on this earth has raha has you know has uh, enjoyment and ease and this comes from many different directions and so in essence there are two things First of all, Al-Iman, Al-Iman Billah, Azza wa Jal, Al-Imanu Billah. To, to have Iman in Allah, this is the first thing. And the second thing is righteous deeds. To, to put this in a nutshell. You know, so we can summarize the whole of the discussion in two simple things. And this is why this is repeated in the Quran many, many times. Really those who believe and do righteous deeds. So in, in a verse, we see that Allah has commanded the believers to have iman in Allah. Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu, ya ayyuhalladheena amanu, aminu, aminu. Billahi wa rasulihi wal kitab alladhi nazzala ala rasulihi wal kitab alladhi anzala min qabl. O you who believe, O you who have believed, Believe in Allah and His Messenger. So he's already addressing the people of Iman and addressing them and commanding them to have Iman. And so this shows that Iman can be added to Iman. Iman increases according to the principle of Ahlul Sunnah. So all you who believe, believe in Allah and His Messenger and the book which He revealed to His Messenger and the book which He revealed previously. So here this is a command to Iman, to have Iman in Allah and the pillars of Iman. And from Ar-Rabi' who commented upon the previous verse, مَنْ عَمِلَ صَالِحًا مِنْ ذَكَرٍ أَوْ أُنْثَى وَهُوَ مُؤْمِنٍ He said, Al-Iman, the meaning of Iman here, وَهُوَ مُؤْمِنٍ is Al-Ikhlasu لِلَّهِ وَحْدَهِ Which is Ikhlas, to be sincere to Allah Azawajal. So the first then is Iman or sincerity. If you are sincere to Allah, this is the first ingredient of having a good life. To do deeds for the sake of Allah, not for anything else, not for showing off, not for any other reason. And the second thing, the second uh, basic uh, component, righteous deeds. And this obviously is the righteous deed, which is in accordance with the book of Allah and the sunnah of his messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. As opposed to the innovations and inventions and other things 
which the people have entered into uh, the religion. And so these righteous deeds, they have various levels and grades. The greatest of them is the statement, La ilaha illallah. The lowest of them is to remove something harmful from the flaw. And in between all of these things, there are so many different actions, you know, 70 odd branches of Iman. And so a believer has the ability to act upon all of these various actions. And so these two things, or these two elements, ikhlas, sincerity to Allah in word and deed, and doing righteous actions, then this is you know, the, the essence of what it means to have a good life. It's a simplified way of explaining what we've been discussing uh, previously. So moving on from this point, the scholars and the Mufassirun, on the basis of the verses that we have been looking at previously, they've made it clear that a believer can live a good life on this earth before the hereafter. Right? So we, we mentioned previously that it isn't just the case that a believer just has hardship, difficulty, struggle, trials, you know, disease, death, and so on and so forth, and everything is doom and gloom and sadness and grief and misery, and he has to just live through all of this for the whole of his life, even though we know, like from the statement of Al-Qurtubi that we mentioned previous uh, previous lesson, where he said, from, from when you're born to when you die, there is toil and struggle, right? As a, as a, as a newborn, you have toil and struggle, you know, you... You, you, you have to be breastfed, right? You have to be circumcised. You have to you know, go hungry. And then throughout all of life stages, you have toils and struggles, right? So it, it isn't the case that a believer is not able to have a good life and to have enjoyment, right? Part of that good life is, of course, that you are content and you are content with little, you know, that, that's part and parcel of it. But it doesn't negate the fact that you can actually have pleasure and reward and enjoyment and plenty. And so long as you are obeying Allah Azawajal, worshipping Allah Azawajal, fulfilling the obligations, all of this is from the reward that Allah gives to the believer and honors the believer um, in the life of this world before the eternal reward in the hereafter. So from the verses, from the verses which explain this particular meaning, this particular meaning, meaning that for the believers and those who do righteous deeds on this life, there is a good enjoyment. There is a good enjoyment. From those verses is the statement of Allah Azawajal, لِلَّذِينَ أَحْسَنُوا فِي هَذِهِ الدُّنْيَا حَسَنَةٌ The Surah Al-Nahl, Surah 16, Verse number 30. To those who do good in the life of this world or in this world, there is a hasana, there is good. And we see from the commentators, Ibn Kathir, rahimahullah, he said, He whose action is good in the world, then Allah will make his action towards him good in both the world and the hereafter. So if your actions are good in the life of this world, then Allah's actions towards you 
will be good in both this life and in the hereafter. And also from the verses which are similar to this is, as you know, Rabbana atina fi dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana. The supplication that we make, O oh, our Lord, give us good in this life and give us the good of the hereafter, in the hereafter. And so as the commentators explain, the good here, what does it mean? It includes both iman and righteous deeds, but it also means good in the, in, in the material sense. Right? All the things that enter into good in terms of the, the good enjoyment. Also is the statement of Allah in Surah Hud, the 11th chapter, verse number 3, at the very beginning, in which Hud, you know, he says to his people, وَأَنِسْتَغْفِرُوا رَبَّكُمْ ثُمَّ تُوبُوا إِلَيْهِ يُمَتِّعْكُمْ مَطَاعًا حَسَنًا إِلَىٰ أَجَلٍ مُسَمَّى وَيُؤْتِ كُلَّ ذِي فَضْلٍ فَضْلَهِ that you should seek forgiveness from your Lord and then repent to Him. He will give to you a good enjoyment for an appointed time. And He will give to every possessor of excellence from His excellence or from, from His bounty. So this part here in the verse when Allah when He said, hasana, He will give to you a good enjoyment then this is referring to this, to this, to this world, to this life, fi dunya. Uh, as Qatada and Ibn Abbas, they both said, "Yatafaddalu alaykum, yatafaddala alaykum birrizq wasaah." Right. So it means uh, that he will bestow upon you the favor of rizq, of sustenance, and saah, meaning, you know, of plenty and expanse. And likewise, Al-Qurtubi rahimahullah, he said about this verse, that from the fruits of seeking forgiveness, Al-Istighfar, and likewise Tawbah, is that Allah will bestow upon you benefits, various benefits, of expansion of sustenance, and abundant livelihood. And he will not cut you off by way of punishment, which is what he did to previous nations. Right, the previous nations, they were destroyed or they were cut off. But he will not do that with you, so long as you make istighfar and you make tawbah. Sahal bin Abdullah al-Tustari rahimullah, he said about the same verse, mata'an hasana, he said, al-mata'ul hasan, the good enjoyment is, tarqul khalq wal-iqbal ala al-haqq. Right? It is to abandon it is to abandon the creation. It is to abandon the creation and to turn to the truth. Right? It is to abandon the creation and to turn to the truth. So in other words, the good enjoyment is not to preoccupy yourself with people and just to be engrossed in your day to day activities with, you know, company and pastime and you know leisure and wasting time and you know visiting this one and visiting that one and just becoming engrossed in each other's affairs like you see unfortunately in many 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 households many many families and um, you know the people are just preoccupied like they don't spend time on their own for introspection and they don't allow time for them with their families right to 
to develop as, as a household, it's just engrossed with, with, with everything and everything, and, and this is how they live their life. You know, poking their noses into each other, other's affairs, and you know, um, you know, uh, thing, things of this nature, basically, which which takes them away from turning to the truth, learning the truth, nurturing themselves and their families upon the truth, trying to look after the, you know, putting their worldly affairs in order, you know. Trying to earn a lawful earning, right? Trying to all of these issues that you that you need to focus on yourself and for your family. You see that in a lot of households, this is basically, you know, it, it's interfered with because people don't regulate their own behavior and their interactions with other people, whether it's immediate relatives, whether it's friends, whether it's other preoccupations like, you know, engrossed in business or whatever it might be. And then so they lose, you know, they become preoccupied with the creation. So that's why Sahal bin Abdullah, he said, Al-Mata'ul Hasan, he said, Tarukul Khalqa. To abandon. He means not to like completely abandon, but just to keep yourself away from these preoccupations. Well, Iqbal, and to turn to the truth. Right? So, in a way, you know, it's, it's making sure that you, you regulate your activities and you are careful about them. And, you know, you fulfill your rights to your, to your neighbors, to your family, and you do it within the limits. But, there, like I said, there are many, many people who go beyond the bounds and it's just, you know, too much. And then so you know they they are taken away from what is of, of you know more important to them and their the individual duties likewise al mataul hasan it is also been said these are all various statements which are which are reported in the in the books of tafsir huwa al qana'ah bil mawjud wa tark wa al huzni ala al mafqud so he said it is to be satisfied with that which is present and to abandon being sad over that which is absent. Right? It is to be satisfied and content with that which is present and to abandon being sad over that which is absent. So again, this goes back to the issue of al-qana'a, which is just general being content and being satisfied with what you have, what you have, in your household, what you have of possessions, what you have of belongings, what you have of offspring, whatever you have, be content with that. To be content with what is present in your home, today, tomorrow, clothing, food, drink, whatever, to be content with that. And not to start grieving over what you don't have. Right? This is the meaning of Al-Mata'ul Hasan. This is one of the ways it's explained. Right? So if you are one of those people, who is like this, whether you have plenty, whether you have little, whether you ate, you know, to the fill, or whether you just had a few morsels, you are still content. You are content with what you have. You're not going to start grieving and be in misery and be sad and start fretting over what you don't have. Right? Because, you, you, you know, this is the decree of Allah Azza for you. So this is the another statement and also it is also said 
يعيشكم في أمن وراحة والمراد بالأمن أمنه من غير الله تعالى ومن يتوكل على الله فهو حزبه وبالراحة طيب عيشه برجاء الله تعالى والتقريب إليه حتى يعد المحنة منحة So this, this is another explanation of what it means Al-Mata'ul-Hasan uh, which is the good enjoyment It means that Allah will make you live in security security, aman and raha raha meaning you know uh, uh, at ease and at leisure raha where you, you're relaxed right so security security and relaxation as for the first one what does it mean al-aman security what do we what do we actually mean by this it means that a person amnuhu min ghayrillahi ta'ala it means that you you are complete you feel completely safe and secure from that which is besides Allah that you have no reason to fear from anyone or anything besides Allah this is the real meaning of security right it begins in the heart the absence of fear from anything and anyone besides Allah right so so you have this and that's because woman yatawakkal ala Allah fa huwa hasbuh and that's because if you place tawakkal upon Allah if you rely upon Allah Allah will be sufficient for you why do you need to be fearful after that after you place your trust in Allah so this is the meaning of al-aman al-aman Allah gives you al-aman right you can walk the earth not fearing anybody or anything and the second part of it ar-raha which is ease, relaxation, and so on and so forth. It means to live a, you know, a good life whilst hoping in Allah. You are always hopeful in Allah. And you are always seeking nearest to Allah such that anything that comes to you by way of any trial or tribulation, you see it as a bounty and a favor. Right, this is the meaning of raha, right? To be at ease, right? So that you already know and you've already satisfied yourself in your mind that any calamity that's going to come to me, I'm going to see it as a, as as a, as a favor and a bounty. And so, therefore, you can you you can feel at ease with anything that's going to come your way any trial, any tribulation that's going to come your way, then because you see it as a trial, you are living with, with raha, with, with, with ease and relax, relaxation. Right? You are not fretting and worrying and anxious over what's going to come in the future. Right? So this is the meaning of, of being at ease. You are, you are at perfect ease. And so here you will see the difference between people, between... Uh, people between the people of disbelief and the people of iman and then amongst the people of iman the believers are of different levels you you have some characters which are basically always nervous anxious uh, worried you know about every little thing and there's other people you know he's always got a smile on the face and you know um you know would not be affected you know but much by by even the 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 you know, most difficult of trials or tribulations, even in the midst of tribulations, they will be having 
smiley face and, and whatever else, right? So you have this variation among the people in terms of, of uh, the, the, the raha, right? The ease and, and the relaxation that they have. So this is something granted, these two things are granted by Allah Azza This is part and parcel of al-mata'ul hasan, of living a good life. Ibn Qutayb rahimahullah, he said the meaning of al-mata'ul hasan is yu'ammirukum. Meaning that he will grant you a long life. Right? And uh, this is because one of the linguistic meanings of the word al-imta' is al-itala. Al-itala, to lengthen, to lengthen, to prolong. So another meaning of al-mata'ul hasan is to prolong your life. And as we know, that obviously a person's life, the exact specific length of his life is written in the preserved tablet, it is decreed and it is fixed. However, within the scheme of Allah's creation, within the scheme of Allah's creation, there are mechanisms and ways and means by which a person, his life can be lengthened. Right? Even though we know it has a fixed point in time. Right? So, for example, if you take one person who is going to live a dangerous life, right, of taking risks, eating bad food, uh, being involved in, in crime and things of that nature, right? You know that this person's lifespan has a risk of, of being shortened. And a person contrary to that, who, you know, takes all the ways and means, eats well, sleeps well, you know, lives in good neighborhoods and so on and so forth, in general, his life will be longer, right? So, al-mata'ul uh, hasan here is al-itala, meaning a prolonging or a lengthening of, of the life. So this is part and parcel of al-mata'ul hasan. And all of this is part and parcel of the decree of Allah Azawajal. Allah has tied certain effects to certain causes. So, and from those affairs is this issue here. That if you uh, are upon iman and righteous deeds and um, you know, all the, the other affairs, then he will you know, grant you a good, wholesome, lengthy life. Also, Imam al-Shawkani, rahimahullah, uh, he said, similarly to what we've already mentioned, يَطُولُ نَفْعُكُمْ نَفْعَكُمْ فِي الدُّنْيَا بِمَنَافِعُ uh, that he will increase and lengthen or prolong the benefit that you have in the life of this world by many types of beneficial things, pleasing things of lots of sustenance and plentiful living. You know, plentiful living. Also he said um, something similar. Uh, that he will give you a long life in goodness and well-being. In goodness and well-being and ease of living. So all these are basically basically the same. We have a similar statement from Imam al-Baghwi rahimahullah. He said that the meaning of al-mata'ul hasan is al-rida bil-maysur was-sabru bil-maqdur. Which means to be pleased with that which is. 
you know, easy and little, and to have patience upon that which is decreed. To be pleased with that which is simple and easy, and to have patience over that which has been decreed. And one of the Mufassirun, Al-Mawardi, Rahimahullah, he basically summarized all the meanings of this verse that we are looking at, this one verse that we are looking at, in three things. He said, Al-Mata'ul Hasan, Al-Mata'ul Hasan, the good enjoyment, is three things. First of all, it is Al-Halal Al-Kafi, Al-Halal Al-Kafi, that you have that which is halal and sufficient. That which is halal and sufficient. So you have a halal sustenance and you have that which is sufficient for your needs. This is the first component. The second po- component is And it is that in which you do not have to really exert any tremendous effort or make any pursuit. Right? So... Meaning that, that the rizq comes to you in a, in a relatively easy fashion. So if Allah has given that to you, then you have al-mata'ul hasan. If your rizq comes to you, you know, without the toil, struggle, trial, tribulation, with, with general ease, then you are one of those people that Allah has granted to you al-mata'ul hasan. That's if you are a person of iman and righteous deeds, of course. Because if you are not, then the situation is read differently. If you are a person of disbelief, or if you are a person of sin and disobedience, then if Allah gives you al-mata'ul hasan, this could be simply could simply be al-istidraj. This is, you know, it could be a punishment for your sins, where you continue sinning, thinking that there must be nothing wrong because Allah is continuing to give you favor. So Allah is establishing the proof against you. So when we say al-mata'ul hasan, obviously it means upon the foundation of iman and ikhlas and righteous deeds. That's when it becomes al-mata'ul hasan. But in the absence of these things, it is something else. Like what happens with the people of disbelief, that he gives them increase, right? And he continues to give them more and more, despite the fact that they do what they do of disbelief and, and, and corruption and so on and so forth. It is to establish the hujjah against them, the proof against them. Right? So it is read in, in, in a slightly different way. So that, that is the second element. And the third element, he said, it is, أَنَّهُ الْمُقْتَرَنْ بِالسِّحَّةِ وَالْعَافِيَةِ And it is that which is tied to good health and well-being. Good health and well-being. So all of these things... If, if these things are present, then you have al-mata'ul hasan, right? Halal sustenance which is sufficient, coming to you with relative ease, with relative ease, without too much difficulty, and you also have good health and well-being in yourself, in yourself. Then also there's a linguistic point we should mention as well, so these are some of the general meanings, but there's also a linguistic point about this verse that we mentioned, that we are discussing. The verse in which Allah citing from Hud when he said that you should 
seek forgiveness from your Lord and then repent to Him. ثُمَّ تُوبُوا إِلَيْهِ يُمَتِّعْكُمْ مَتَاعًا حَسَنًا مَتَاعًا حَسَنًا There's a linguistic point about this sentence here. If you look at this uh, sentence, يُمَتِّعْكُمْ مَتَاعًا حَسَنًا يُمَتِّعْكُمْ is from مَتَّعَ مَتَّعَ And the verbal noun, the verbal noun is تَمْتِيعَ تَمْتِيعَ So, this form of the verb تَمْتِيعَ or تَفْعِيل تَفْعِيل It carries the meaning of abundance of abundance, right? So for example, if, 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 if we say قَتَلَ قَتَلَ it means to kill. And if we say قَتَلَ قَتَلَ تَقْتِيلًا it means that he slaughtered. Right? So killing and then slaughtering. Slaughtering means that you are, you are killing so many different people. Right? So one of the, the meanings of the, of the, of, of the, of the noun form تَفْعِيلٌ تَفْعِيلٌ is Kathra uh, meaning takfir uh, meaning uh, increasing, right? So here in this verse, Allah Zawajal did not say yumatikum tamtian hasanan. He didn't use the same ver- verbal noun which corresponds to the verb, right? Yumatikum tamtian hasanan. This is what should you know ought to have been said. But it, it wasn't put like that. Rather, another noun was used. يُمَتِّعَكُمْ مَتَاعًا مَتَاعًا حَسَنًا Right. So why was this done in the verse? Why was this done in this verse? The reason is because the mata' being mentioned here is related to this world, not to the hereafter. And so for that reason... Because the hereafter is where the true and real and abundant and plentiful enjoyment is, then that word was not used here for this world. And so it was replaced, instead of tamti'an hasanan, it was mata'an hasanan. Right? So, and this is to show that, you know, there is a limit to the enjoyment in the life of this world. It is nothing compared to the enjoyment in the hereafter. Right? So even though Allah will bestow to, to a believer enjoyment and ease, there's a limit to that in the life of this world. And as for abundance and that which is never ends and never expires, then that is only in the hereafter. And so that's just a, a linguistic point about that particular uh, verse. Also, one of the meanings, يُمَتِّعَكُمْ مَتَاعًا hasana. يَجْعَلَكُمْ رَاضِينَ بِمَا يُعْطِيكُمْ He makes you pleased with that which he has given you. So, all of this then, we can see الْمَتَاعُ hasan. This is part and parcel of a good life. الْمَتَاعُ hasan is part and parcel of a good life. This is, it comprises all the things that we've mentioned so far. There are so many different things that come into a good life, right? We've already said, lawful sustenance, being content with that which you have, al-mata'ul uh, hasan, meaning the enjoyment of this world as well, like in terms of the material things also. Also the, 
the, the, the pleasure and the satisfaction of the heart, the feeling of security, the feeling of ease, all these different things, they enter into the meaning of the goodly life. Some verses are very, very clear and explicit. They very clearly mention the principle that if you believe and you have taqwa of Allah, He will open up for you the provision from the sky, blessings from the sky. There are numerous verses like this, which were said to the previous nations, like the people of Nuh and to the pagan Arabs, and to the, to the Jews, and to the, you know, the people who were upon the Torah and the Injil. These things were said to them. So, to summarize everything up until this point then, we want to you know, summarize all of this discussion from this lesson and the previous lesson. In essence, Al-Hayatu Tayyibah, what is it? It is the, 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 the opening of the chest, the expansion of the chest. It is the ease and the satisfaction of the heart. This is what it begins with. And even if a person was in the most difficult circumstances, you know, then his heart is still at ease, his chest is still expanded, and this is how the Messenger of Allah how he described the believer. What did he say? The hadith of the Messenger of Allah he said, Ajaban, Ajaban the Amril Mu'min. How amazing is the affair of the believer? Al Mu'min Inna Amrahu Kullahu Khair. Indeed, the affair of a believer, all of it is good. And this is not for anyone except the believer. In asabathu dharra sabara fakana khairan lah. If hardship comes to him, afflicts him, then he has patience and that is better for him, good for him. وَإِنْ أَسَابَتْهُ شَكَرْ فَكَانَ أَخَيْرًا And if, you know, something good comes to him, something which pleases him comes to him, then he is grateful, and that is better for him. That is better for him. So, we can see here that the security of the soul the aman of the nafs that you feel secure in your soul. This is from the greatest of the things that Allah bestows upon His believing servants. And this is why in the verse in the Quran, Allah He says, الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَلَمْ يَلْبِسُوا إِمَانَهُمْ بِظُلْمِ Those who believe, those who believe and do not confuse or mix their iman, with zulm, with oppression. They are the ones, أُولَٰئِكَ لَهُمُ الْأَمَنُ وَهُمْ مُحْتَدُونَ They are the ones who have security, and they are the ones who are guided. Right, so the security being mentioned here in this verse, is, in, in its foundation, is the security of the soul. Feeling content, secure, at ease, relaxed in the soul. And that's why something we mentioned in the previous lesson, you will see that many, many non-Muslims, at the moment that they enter into Islam, when they enter into Islam, immediately they feel something that their whole lives have been devoid of. Right? Which is the immediate feeling 
of being content, satisfied, and secure. There are many, many non-Muslims. They spend an entire lifetime of chasing and pursuing things, whether it might be, you know, um, through pursuing wealth, through pursuing a profession, or getting engrossed in just fun, pleasure, or even trying to find intellectual satisfaction, trying to find the meaning of life and moving from philosophy to philosophy to lifestyle to lifestyle to, you know, whatever it might be. Many people, they, you know, you, you see them uh, going from one place to the, uh, one doctrine to another and just trying to absorb and soak up everything, right? So there'll be a Buddhist one moment and then he'll be something else, something else and he's just moving around. But nothing's really, you know, nothing's really making sense. Nothing's really giving that feeling. But the moment that they declare, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, I testify that none has the right to be worshipped except Allah alone. And Muhammad testify that Muhammad is messenger. And, and he understands what he is saying. And he, you know, he knows uh, the meaning of what he's saying. Then immediately, this feeling of serenity, calmness, uh, you know, uh, absence of fear, and also the, the security of the soul, the person feels it immediately. Right, and so this is uh, the meaning of uh, those who alladina amanu walam yalbisu imanahum bidhulm. Those who believe and do not mix any kind of oppression, which which means shirk and, and deviation, into their iman, then they are the ones who will have al-aman. Right. So obviously, when you when you free yourself from everything which is worshipped besides Allah Azawajal. And you renounce all of that, and you 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 single out Allah Then this is where true aman when it enters into the heart, and this is what you see and you experience from many many uh, testimonies of people who become Muslim. This is exactly how they describe what they feel and what they experience. So this ends the discussion. You know, in this section we were discussing the meanings of the good life. And, um, you know, the various meanings of the good life in the Qur'an. We covered many, many things. Um, and so that ends that section. We're going to move to the next section, inshallah. Now, what, what time is the, the adhan for Aisha? Ten minutes. Sorry? About ten minutes. Ten minutes. Okay, we can make a start, inshallah ta'ala. Uh, just, to, just to continue. Um, we'll finish with one point, which is, The issue of wealth and is wealth a means to a good life? Because we've discussed this previously. Is wealth independently a means to a good life? And the reason why this question arises is because there are many, many people who believe that the pursuit of wealth is the single thing that will bring you happiness in the life of this world. And these people, you know, there are many, many different categories of those people. So for, for example, some of them are those who they, you know, uh, spend their whole life with their children, trying to get their children into a profession, and then a degree, and then a this, and a that, and a this, or whatever. And everything else is sacrificed for this one pursuit. And they think that this is happiness. 
And there are other people who basically engross themselves in business and accumulating wealth. And, you know, they spend um, all of their life, you know, pursue, uh, pursuing and engrossed in all of this thing, all of these things. And they engage in things which might even be unlawful, such as deception and stealing and all those kind of things. So the issue arises, uh, this type of orientation or this type of thinking, you know, which enters into a person's mind, uh, it, it, it needs to be uh, addressed. And there are some basic observations that we, that we can make just very quickly in the you know, five or ten minutes that we have left, which is that um, first of all is that, as we already mentioned, that a good life lies in many other things, right? Having uh, a tranquil home, um, being pleased with Allah Zawajal, hoping in His mercy, and you know, generally having uh, fitness and health, and all of those other things, these things in themselves, they, they provide a good life and a good enjoyment, and wealth doesn't necessarily have to be a part and parcel of that. Right? And we know this from uh, experience, from the examples of millions and millions of people living in you know, um, relative poverty, all across many parts of the world, you know, in, in Africa, in, in parts of Asia, in the Far East, in South America, in other places, where these places are not as affluent as other places, but there are millions of people, they are content, they are satisfied, you know. Um, and uh, so, so wealth, wealth is not necessarily an independent thing on its own that produces happiness, right? This is a, a first observation. Um, at the same time, like we said before, it doesn't mean that we can't benefit from wealth and it doesn't mean that Allah will not bestow wealth. Wealth obviously is something that can be part and parcel of a good life and it is part and parcel of enjoying, enjoying the, the favors and the bounties of Allah Azza wa Jal. And so, so like we said at the very beginning, it does not mean that a believer's life has to be full of misery and full of hardship. Rather, a believer can benefit from the favors and enjoy the bounties and the favors of Allah Azawajal. The point that we are making though is, is wealth the asal? Is wealth the actual foundation of a good life? Or is it something else? That's the issue that we are discussing. And this issue is important because many, many people, many, many believers are put to trial with this thing. And many, many people come from cultures they come from you know, certain cultures where wealth has been placed above religion. Wealth has been placed above one's duties and obligations to, to Allah Azawajal. Right? There are many, many cultures and that's because, because you know, uh, for historical reasons, maybe uh, Muslim nations have begun to look at the non-Muslim nations and their affluence and their wealth and their apparent advancement in the life of this world. And so culturally speaking, you know, certain nations have developed a, some sort of inferiority complex that we need to be like them, we need to mimic them, we need to this, that, whatever. And so as a result of that, of that cultural change in the mind, then you see in many, many Muslim nations, people 
uh, and you see this, you come across people like this, you know, that their parents place a tremendous emphasis on their worldly education, right? To such a degree, like you see in some countries, that if, if a child comes home and he only got 90 out of 100 in the exam, instead of, you know, 95 out of, out of 100, then they'll, they'll punish the child and bite his fingers, Right? You see, this, there are stories like this, like in Egypt, for example, or other places, because they're all competing with each other and they want the child to be, in, to be hitting the 98s, 99s, and whatever. Now, this is Hulu. This is, this is, uh, and that's because they've been enthralled and captivated by this whole thing of, of pursuing a profession and, and earning a livelihood. Right? So, so in Muslim households, in, Muslim, in, in the cultures that have developed, unfortunately, there is this thing where the focus on wealth, the focus on a profession to acquire wealth and so on and so forth, you know, it's been put ahead of the deen of Allah, iman in Allah, righteous deeds, doing, you know, following the sunnah, and being content in the soul, being content in the heart, right? These are the true and real things which, which, which are real uh, satisfaction and real enjoyment and real pleasure, right? And there are many, many scenarios which can be given to prove the point that we are making, right? So, for example... Um, for example, we, we know that many, many people are completely uh, discontent with the wealth that they have. Uh, they are miserable, and we know this from, from direct experience. How many people do you see with, with you know, mansions, and you, know, and, and you see that the families are in turmoil and in ruin, and in, in, in you know, conflict, and, and, you know, and, and you see many, many examples like this where the wealth itself does not bring this type of... Uh, uh, you know, satisfaction and ease. Likewise, you see people who are engaged in this, who put wealth beyond everything else. You see them always in regret and thinking, you know, if I put my money in this, then I would have tripled my money. And if I didn't do this, and like always thinking about if I put it, they're always in, um, um, you know, regret and grief and sadness and, and doubt and, you know, because that's what they're pursuing. And so many of these people, they, 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 they experience these kind of uh, disturbances in the soul, you know, where, where they're grieved by the fact that they didn't make enough money on this trade or in this investment, and they could have put it somewhere else, and if, they only, if only they'd, they'd done, done this and done that, whatever. Right? This is, this is part and parcel of how when you pursue the world, then, you know, you, you basically you punish yourself and you punish your soul in this way. Um, Likewise, many people who are given tremendous wealth, you see that this then reflects on their kids. Their kids become corrupt because of the affluence. <clears throat> and um, what you find is that because the kids haven't had to work for a living and everything's come on a plate to them, you find that they develop like, you know, um, incompetent children. Uh, who are spoiled and who are unable to basically w would be unable to get through life on their own and so we can see these tremendous changes in 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 uh, in societies because just over a hundred years ago for example uh, and even still in some countries there are there are kids or there used to be kids from the age of seven eight nine would have to be sent out to work in the factories 
And by virtue of them going out at that age, they would become full-grown men and women by the age of 12, 13, 14, fully able and capable of handling their own affairs. Right? And we don't have that anymore. We don't have that anymore. And that's why the kids who are present today, the kids who are present, you know, you need to be very, very grateful for the fact that you know, at the age of 10, 12, 14, that you have food on your plate, you know, on your table. And, you know, you have a roof over, because the kids back in those days would, would be out from literally after, after daybreak and come back out, come back in the evening, stuck in factories, working, right? And you don't have this anymore. And, and, and so the, the point being that with affluence, when you have affluence, you don't, you don't have to work, you don't have to struggle, you don't have to pick up skills. You don't have to learn from worldly experiences, getting ripped off, getting beaten, getting deceived, getting, you know, and becoming worldly wise. Then you become, you just become, um, you know, you, you, you become, um, what's the word? Uh, you become corrupt, basically. You become corrupt. And you become incapable. And you become rendered uh, helpless. Right? This is one of the negative consequences. And that's why you see many, 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 many people who have affluence. They have children who are just completely incompetent and spoiled. And they couldn't even open a can of beans, you know, or make a toast. You know, uh, some of them are to that level. They have to have a servant to do it or something, right? So, anyway, uh, this type of thing you see in the, in, in the homes of certain people. Corruption of kids and just general you know, um, incompetence and things like that. Likewise, you see some people, they, they realize, they quickly come to realize that wealth isn't everything when they, don't, when they don't have health. So how many people are there who are severely sick and ill? Maybe someone, you know, he has to have a, a stomach replacement as many people have had to in the past. And so therefore they are unable to eat anything apart from fluids. And so perhaps one of these people might launch, you know, might give a huge banquet or something for one of his children's weddings and he's watching everybody eat from the meal paid for from his riches and he himself can't even, he's, all he's able to have is, is basically water or some milk or something. Right? So he can't benefit from his wealth. This is another proof that wealth in and of itself is not an independent Means it's not the foundation of happiness and good enjoyment. Right? That's, a, that's another observation from the, from the, from you know from from the worldly uh, experiences. And anyway, to, to, the, so the point being, I think the point is very clear now. We made the point very clear that wealth, even though it is something that you can be rewarded with, and it is part and parcel of having a good life. It is not the foundation. It is not the asal. It can't be. For all of these reasons that we mentioned previously. And for that reason, we have to be careful not to be deceived. Right? And not to also deceive our children by, by nurturing them to think that wealth on its own is the source of happiness and good enjoyment. It can be... It can be something that makes things easy, but it is not the foundation, not the asal. 
So anyhow, we'll, we'll end on this particular note, inshallah ta'ala. And in the next lesson, we'll start looking at some of the, uh, the ways and the means, the asbab of how to uh, maintain and develop you know, a good life according to the Qur'an and the Sunnah. And with that, we'll conclude that today. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.